you, you can train all you want, but if the guys don't want to learn, if the guys don't want to get any better, you know, that, that's where my hurdle is. And I try to look for ways to say, hey guys, we, we can look at this two ways. We can look at this, hey, this is your job, you're gonna collect a paycheck, or do you want to grow? And by growing means, hey, maybe it's not just, you know, getting better at your job, but that gives opportunities to go on vacations more often. You know, put that addition on your house. My ability to do my job better directly affects me paying my mortgage every month. Welcome to the Waste No Day podcast, a podcast specifically for and about the home services industry as it relates to plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. More than a podcast, Waste No Day is a credo, a determination, a mindset. It is a never-ending discipline. It is a refuse-to-lose pursuit. It is a wake-up call every morning to waste no day. Now here's your hosts, Brian Burton and Nate Minnick. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Waste No Day podcast. My name is Nate. And my name is Brian. And we are with you for another week and another topic. This time we have a special guest with us. His name is Ted Schnettler. He is the service manager at One Hour Heating and Air Conditioning in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And he is bringing his expertise with us today to break down our topic, which in this case is technically speaking. And over the course of time and uh, tons of interviews, we have just seen a lack of technical expertise uh, from the outside world, you know, that is desiring to get into the trades. And we would love to have that type of, uh, you know, clientele coming in, but there's just such a lack of training. And so we wanted to bring Ted on the podcast today to not only speak to those of you who are considering joining the trades, but those of you who are already in the trades, how can you get better? How can you improve your skill and your craft? So with that, Ted, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, guys, for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, welcome, buddy. Good to have you on here. Absolutely. Uh, Ted, we always like to start off with a bit of an introduction to learn more about you. So sure. tell us how you got into the trades. What started your your journey? So yeah, going back to after high school, I, uh, I graduated and I joined a construction crew pretty quickly. And I had some buddies saying, hey, man, this is the way to go. We'll make some big money. We'll build some houses and you know, life is good. <laughs> so, you know, I did that for a number of years, which was fun. Learned a lot of experiences there. But I, I would see the trades following up us on the framing crews. And I said to myself, man, these guys got it made. You know, they're, they're, they're sheltered from the weather. You know, they're, they're, they're organized more so than the builders were. And I said, oh, man, the, the trades is where it's at. I, I see it from a third-party perspective looking in. They have a roof over their heads. <laughs> they have a roof. We were putting the roofs up, and they're like right, safe from right. the you know, weather. But yeah, I just looked at the three trades, and you know, for a while, looking at them and saying, which one, which one makes sense here for me? And I, I had an interest in HVAC. Well, I can't wait for this answer. What, <laughs> why? <laughs> why HVAC? <laughs> well, yeah, they, they're all good choices, honestly, but. I just like uh, the fact that's holding up a card right now that says no HVAC forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do believe they're all good choices. It just for me the HVAC was more than just you know running wires. It was more than just you know putting pipes up and down. You know they had to do the duct work. They had to do some electrical work. They had to do some plumbing work. You know they were they were there multiple times in and out. Uh, it just it just me it was more appealing to see that happening. And I said, man, this is 
it wasn't the most labor-intense work. However, it was more thought-provoking work. You have to have a little more of a head in your shoulders than just framing. Let's face it. I mean, framing is one of those things where when you're good at it, it's kind of the same thing over and over again. Shout out to all the carpenters out there. <laughs> well, there's a difference from carpenters <laughs> to framers. But anyway. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I saw the HVAC guys and I thought, yeah, I could do this. This, this is appealing to me. So I transitioned from construction to you know, HVAC via going to school at night. I, I would, you know, work during the day, go to school at night, get my EPA 608 certification, took a couple classes. So I had some idea what I was talking about when I could go apply for places. And at that point, were you still thinking new construction HVAC? I, I wasn't thinking really new. I was just thinking HVAC. HVAC I was okay. at the point where any shot to me was a good shot, any opportunity I was going to take. And it just so happens that when I a- applied somewhere, it was for a service role. And I said, well, I don't know anything about service or HVAC for that matter, but, you know, they, they want to give me a shot. I'm going to take that. How old were you at that time? Uh, that would That's a good question. Probably 22, 23, something like that. Okay, nice. Yeah, so it, it was a good, you know, given my age here, it was a good 20 years ago. So, um, yeah, looking back on things, it, it was the right decision. So, Yeah, absolutely. So you got that first service job, and where did you go from there? So that's where I, I stayed at that first company for about 12 years, uh, working in service, and then I would ad- advance to actually taking over the service department, and through a course of people leaving and in and, and production and, and just knowing what I'm doing, uh, they recognized that, and I moved on to HVAC manager, which under that umbrella, I would do service, new construction, and the changeouts. So I you know, had seen all three of those things was great for me because I did that for five, six, seven years in that area, and it, it just gave you a world of experience. So yeah, for me, absolutely. it was a little bit of timing as well. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, that would have put you at, what, 17 years? Am I understanding that right? Not so exactly. Like 12, or was that that 12 years uh, at the end of that or in that you were becoming HVAC manager? I became HVAC's service manager pretty quickly within two to three years. Oh, okay. So right away. Yeah, right away. Then it, uh, things just got layered on top of that. Gotcha. So that helped out. And then, you know, from there, it was a smaller company. I said, hey, I'm kind of capped at where I'm at. And there was there was owner's sons coming into the business. And it just made sense to move on and go somewhere bigger. And that's what I did. And, you know, I had management training before that. I had some experience before that. So the bigger company I went to... It was just a crash course in management and then bounced around a little bit and really, long story short, I'm here. Yeah. And we're, we're glad to have you here. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. So that's a really incredible pedigree. And certainly you are a, a well-tenured technician with a lot of experience, uh, in specifically in HVAC, but a lot of service, maintenance, install, managerial experience. And mm-hmm. that, that type of uh, credentials is really what makes you an interesting interview for me because you can speak not only to personal hands-on experience, but also what you've seen over the years as far as people coming into the trades and developing them, turning them into, you know, true uh, technicians and being able to handle all the different skill levels. So I'm curious, Ted, from your perspective, what allowed you to grow so quickly? I mean, you're saying that you kind of took over the HVAC department at that first company within the first, what, two years. I mean, were, were you just in the right place at the right time? Did you have a smarter head on your shoulders than most? Or did you do something different than other guys to be able to rise so quickly? 
that's a good question there too. I would say a lot of it, timing is everything in life, I would think as well. And, and it was my uh, motivation to do better for myself. I, I had made a decision. I said to myself, is this a career or is this just a job? And then clearly for me, it was a career. And, and a lot of that motivation was the fact that my wife was pregnant. I'm thinking to myself, well, I got to get serious here in life. So this is an interest of mine. I made a change from construction to the trades. So I'm going to push hard here. And I honestly do like HVAC. So for me, it was kind of a good segue to say, hey, this is, I mean, this is what I'm into. This is easy. This is what I'm going to do. And that's so, a good, good way to segue into uh, <clears throat> what this the topic is here about speaking technically is just being, becoming better, getting better, constantly focusing on improving yourself technically in the field, be it plumbing, HVAC, electrical, IT, whatever it is you do, uh, answering phones. It's, it's uh, very important to look at not just where you're going um, financially speaking or rank or what have you, but are you actually getting better at what it is that you do? Um, and it goes back to that Sandler, David Sandler quote, some people have 10 years of experience and some people have one year of experience and then repeat it nine times. And I know Ted to be a guy who takes great pride in himself technically and in every way, but, uh, certainly technically and holds himself to a very high standard. And then that in turn reflects onto everybody he's dealing with in the field um, he holds everybody to a high standard technically. And, uh, it's always good to see that, you know, here we're very, we're very, um, we're very focused on production and revenue and, uh, what, what each individual guy is making in the field for himself. We're, we focus a lot on that. We have a lot of meetings around that and we need people like Ted who bring up the other side and say, Hey, that that's all well and good, but you're Technically, you need to get better. Technically, you need to improve, and here's how to do it. And Ted not only helps people who are already here get better technically, but he also trains um, our, our our new guys in, um, what's your class called? Yeah, Ted's been involved in Launch Academy before, which is kind of our developmental apprenticeship program. The Launch Academy, that's right. <clears throat> yeah, and he's we have guys here uh, in trucks that came in with no experience, no knowledge, and were taught by Tred, uh, Ted trained by Ted and taught the um, HVAC field. And now, I mean, one of them is, is our highest producing uh, one-hour tech in terms of truck revenue uh, was taught by Ted. And, and these guys, too, it's, it's, you, you can train all you want, but if the guys don't want to learn, if the guys don't want to get any better, you know, that, that's where my hurdle is. And I try to look for ways to say, hey, guys, you know, we, we can look at this two ways. We can look at this, hey, this is your job. You're going to collect a paycheck. Or do you want to grow? And gr- by growing means, hey, maybe it's not just, you know, getting better at your job, but that gives opportunities to go on vacations more often. You know, put that addition on your house. Look, look at it as just not just, hey, this is my job. That's what I'm going to do. But what benefits do I get from doing my job as well as I can? And then, you know, motivation is hard to teach. I mean, almost impossible. But... If you showed people, hey, there's more to this than just coming here and doing your four maintenances and going home, show them the big picture. For me, that kind of changed things too, because I didn't realize, I didn't realize early on that you know my ability to do my job better directly affects me paying my mortgage every month. And when I learned that, when I actually 
you know, digested that, things changed for me. Yeah, and that's really that long-term perspective, right? Something clicked in your mind when you said, this is no longer a job where I'm doing the paycheck thing. This is a career where I'm, I'm looking to make money and advance. Yeah, yeah, that realization saying, hey, if I, can, if I can pay my mortgage off in 15 years rather than 30 years, my life would be way different, you know, at year 16. Absolutely. Yeah, so... So if, uh, if anybody are, are listening and, you know, you're a plumber or an electrician, don't tune out because Ted's going to kind of keep his, uh, his, some of his comments here more broad. And, and really, it's not just HVAC. It's all the trades that we're experiencing yeah, and need for resources and training. And so, Ted, I, I want to kind of start with um, the greenhorns. All right. So <clears throat> every company has, you know, its share of technicians or plumbers or electricians who are in that starting phase like they just joined a company maybe they're in years one to two or three years in and they're still trying to kind of get their way around things they haven't seen everything to be seen there's definitely some uh, higher level stuff that they you know would really be confused at where does a guy like that begin to start learning are there resources out there is there like a mindset that you would recommend what would you tell a guy like that who says i see what you've done ted and i'd like to follow in your pathway where do i go uh, that's a great question, too. Uh, there are tons of resources out there. Um, one of my favorite resources, which I didn't have privy to back in 2003 and four, is YouTube. I mean, well, we, we didn't have access to Internet phones. We had, you know, the old Nextel push to talk. Oh, yeah. Which were great at the time. Right. But looking back on things, like, man, that was pretty primitive. But, you know, in, in 2005, when, when YouTube came out, I think it was 2005, you know, you know, three guys from PayPal formed this company. A year and a half later, you know, Google steps up, shows out $1.65 billion to buy YouTube. And it just speaks to the credit that they, they were growing phenomenally in that first year and a half. And then now the content downloaded per minute is insane. The views per minute is insane. Right. And what's out there is every answer you want to get conceivably. So if you, if you have an interest somewhere... You know, you want to learn how to take a hot water heater out and put in a high-efficient hot water heater. You can see that in real time, and you can say, hey, I could do that. You know, I just think that that avenue is something I didn't have, but I use now thoroughly. Um, beyond YouTube, there are always trainings going on out there. Our vendors have classes. Now, b via it's, it's all Zoom stuff right now, but we had in-person classes for a long time. But even the Zoom classes I still take part of, and there's lots of good information there from the sales side of things to the technical side of things. Um, it, it's an investment. You could, you could get periodicals, uh, magazines, I should say, of the trades. You can read about this stuff. It, it takes a little bit more of your own personal time. The time you put in will come back in the end for your compensation. So that willingness, it, it's, it's not something I can teach, but I can show you what's out there. Maybe someone just has to lead that horse to water and say, hey, guys, you know, like I said earlier, is this your career? All right, let's do it the right way. Yeah, so let's that's, go all that, in. That's coming back to that shift that you made personally where you said, like, okay, I'm, I'm actually going to begin investing in this. <clears throat> so that's kind of your first step, like especially if you're newer to the trades, you got to be open and willing to learn. That's what I'm hearing you say. You do. You do. One thing that I did too also was if I was doing something new the next day, you know, let's say – and then, you know, we didn't really have the internet that much, but I would get that product in, I would take the manual home with me, and I would read the manual. Not front to back, I'm not going to read 80 pages, of course, but 
know, I'll, I'll look at the key points, the stuff I don't know about, the stuff I want to know about, the stuff that's important to the operations, and just do that. Now you can download the manual if you wanted to, which is not a good option. Right. But it was, it was just, hey, I want to get to this house. I want to do the best job I can. I want to know what I'm talking about in case that customer comes downstairs. And I don't need to woo and wow them, but I need to show them I, I'm competent. I know what I'm doing there. And so, just that preparation, it just goes a long way. So another question I have, specifically referencing like YouTube or those types of open source um, learning platforms, how do I know that I'm actually looking at good material, right? <laughs> yeah, so, you yeah. know, I want to learn how to throw in a, a hundred amp panel, sub panel or something like that. And I do a quick search and, uh, you know, it just so happens that the first one that comes up is the one I watch. And on there, there's like code breaking and, you know, not good practices and stuff. How do I know, especially if I'm newer to the trade and I'm just trying to learn something uh, that I haven't seen before, how do I know that I'm actually learning it the right way? Yeah. Yeah, YouTube is, is that double-edged sword, right, where you have, you know, backyard Billy put in a panel upside down and whatnot. Or you have the guys that have serious followers, you know, umpteen thousand million views on whatever. Those are the guys you want to look for, the guys that look like they're – look at their, you know, their, their subscribers. So the more official channels type thing. There, there, are, there are, you know, there's all types of people doing whatnot out there. So, yeah, look for the more officials, the guys that you can tell, hey, these guys know what they're doing. You know, these guys are set up. You know, they, they have the right tools. They look like they have the right tools anyway. You wouldn't know until you actually start watching the video. Um, and how they speak, how they hold themselves, how they carry themselves. Look at the quality of their work. You know, if you're looking at a panel box and you see wires not coming down perfectly vertical to horizontal, nice bends coming into the breakers, just stuff slung across there, you're going to say to yourself, maybe this guy isn't the guy for me. Go on to the next one. There's so many out there. So you would adhere to the, the concept that if the work doesn't look good, the technicality of it is probably also in question. Like you have a big belief in running wires straight and, and keeping your pipes level and, you know, making the duct work look beautiful. That all speaks to the technical quality of somebody? It does. For me personally, I, I am more hypersensitive to the looks. Um, and I understand there's, there's the whole balance between looks and functionality. You know, if it's going to function fine and work fine forever. Yeah, I think you're actually a personal embodiment of that concept. There's, there's definitely more function than looks, you know, but I, just saying. So. It's a 50-50 balance to me. But I mean, <laughs> and I understand that, you know, when you're in the trades for a while, you can see, you can just pick up on things really quick. And for me, if I'm seeing a job well done, that's going to speak to the volumes of the guy who is doing it. And I don't have to look so deep. I don't have to take the cover off the panel box to see what's back there. I know the wire is going to be nice and straight. You see the staples nice and straight. You can kind of just tell over time that this is a good, clean install. You know, these water lines are going across the basement perfectly straight. They're protected. There's enough hangers everywhere. So that's what I look for. But up front, you wouldn't know that on YouTube. Yeah, I, I remember yeah. Uh, working some with my grandpa, you know, when I was a kid and him telling me, like, you know, how staples are supposed to be put in and the wire is supposed to be flat. So I yeah, remember that exactly. from a young age, you know, you, like run the wire, you actually measure off of uh, a, a fixed point the whole way down the run. So, you know, Every that it's the same distance. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's all good. And yet I think that's even that simple concept is kind of lacking in many ways. Um, to new people looking into the trade, they, they're missing that pride in the work. So how do we even begin instilling that into them? Uh, another good loaded question. I, I guess, you know, what I, was, I would step back and say, hey, if this was your house, are you going to be happy with this job? That might change the mindset up front. 
and it, it that comes back to teaching too. It comes back to a good lead guy on the job side saying, "Hey, you know, th- we can do this two ways. We can we can get it done, or we can take a little more time here and do it right. And here's why." So I think the sh- the short answer is maybe just have proper explanations for that. And yeah, the homeowner may not know any of this stuff. They'll never see it. The, they just don't even look up in this thing to see the wires running across. But you know it's there. And and for me, I always took pride saying, "Hey." This job has to look good or I can't sleep tonight. As dumb as it sounds, as trivial as it sounds, that's, that's what I do think every day. And that lead guy is the, is the main thing because you can ask a, an apprentice, would you be okay if this was what it looked like in your home? And he might honestly say yes. That's, what do you even mean? It's fine. That's exactly how I'd want it. But yeah, as we got le- from point A to point B, isn't this okay? <laughs> right, exactly. Well, it's going to function. I have power. Okay. Right? Yeah. I have water. So, right, it's cool. Yeah, um, yeah, we have water. We're good. But uh, the lead guy, and I, and I came up in new construction, plumbing, uh, residential, and, and would put pipes in that that a lead plumber would come. One of my, my Uncle Tone or my Uncle Tom would come and take his sawzall and cut it out and throw it across the room and say, start over. I'll be back. I might even have to miss lunch over it. And it's a hard way to come up, but it taught you a sense of um, it's unacceptable to put in shoddy work. It's just not acceptable. Like you, you just won't do it 10 years later, uh, whether whether you took pride in your work or not or whether that was a big deal to me at the time or not. Uh, it just wasn't something I thought about until I was taught that there's a certain way we're going to do these things. And if not, you're going to watch all your hard work cut out with a metal blade and <laughs> get thrown across the room. And then the rest of the guys are going to make fun of you for five minutes while you're putting it back in. Yeah. And there's also a point, too, where you mentioned earlier about, you know, how do we get better? How do these young guys get better? I always, I always, you know, I, at a young age, I looked at people and saying, hey, I like this guy, this lead guy, whatever it may be. Maybe I wasn't even a lead guy, but I like how this guy does things. I would go to that person, <clears throat> excuse me, I would talk to them and say, hey, what's going on here? Why are we doing this? Kind of go to them as for a, a mentorship and, and say, hey, can you help me out here? You be humble. It's not, you know, we're a team. So if you can say, hey, if, if you could just spend a little more time with me on this here, you know, it's going to go a long way. And no one out there that, that's a true professional is going to say, no, I'm not doing that. They're, they're more than happy to say, yeah, you know, let's do this and let's talk about why. So, Ted, if what I'm hearing you say correctly is, is you're suggesting that if I'm, like, newer to the trade, I should be reaching out and looking for a mentor or somebody who I can kind of bounce ideas or questions off of? Definitely. I mean, mentors don't usually go looking for their protégés. So if, if you if you have that desire, yeah, please do it. I mean, there's there's no one out there, in my opinion, that's a true professional that's going to say, hey, I'm not going to help you out with this. I, I mean, I think anyone, and, and this is my opinion, anyone would be more than happy to help them out. I like, let's go back before we shift gears. I like what he said there, that mentors don't usually go around finding protégés. That was uh, much deeper than... I think we were getting ready to give it credit for um, because here uh, the three of us can be mentors to many people in this office. We have people in this office that can be mentors to us. Um, but it's so true. The the um, person who comes asking for help is getting it. The person who goes around not asking for help, most people just assume everything's fine. Um, so, and we've talked about having mentors on this podcast before, but it, it really is huge in every aspect of our lives to have somebody. If we know where we're trying to be, I don't care what aspect it is, be it um, 
in our career, technically in our career, uh, maybe selling in our in our uh, uh, marriages as fathers, as mothers, <clears throat> um, spiritually speaking, education. There's always somebody who's halfway between where we are now and where we want to be that we can talk to and have mentor us to get us to where they're at. And then you're several steps further, quite a bit faster than if you were just doing it on your own. Yeah, that's really good, Brian. Definitely. And appreciate you bringing that up, Ted. So kind of moving into the next uh, career section, you might say, let's say that I've been in the trades for a little while. Maybe I'm in like the five to 10 year range. I've seen my fair season of, you know, this and that. And I've certainly gotten into some oddities and abnormal situations. I kind of have uh, that I feel like I've maybe gotten to the top of the mountaintop and I'm, I'm not quite sure where to go from here. Can I keep technically learning? I mean, I know I'm always going to see some new situation out there, but how do I begin training for that? What's the next step that I do? Where do I go? Great question. So in, in that example, I would think to myself, well, let's say you're a plumber and you're a good plumber, right? So you could look outside of the plumbing field because we have other entities here that could help you out. You don't have to stick with just plumbing. Maybe you want to layer in some electrical work or some HVAC work. Make yourself more valuable because at the end of the day, you know, you can't be that, you know, you can't be too valuable. If I am looking to like kind of go to the next level, even within my own trade, are there, do I keep going back to YouTube or are there better resources for more technically advanced people? I mean, Utah, YouTube isn't the end-all, be-all, of course. I mean, there, there are tons of just articles online. There's tons of publications, websites. There is information out there to, to grabs. To grabs. Um, no, no, not just that. You could, you could, like I said, read manuals. As trivial as that sounds, we go to so many, in, in my world, we're going to so many amount of gas furnaces per day. We don't know all the ins and outs there. But if we could look at a manual, read through it, pick up a couple of things going, oh, yeah, wait, looking back at the things, this makes a lot more sense. You can have an epiphany saying, oh, that problem I had last week does make sense. Uh, that's one thing. Uh, another good thing I should have brought up earlier is listen to podcasts, right? There are so many good podcasts out there, this being one of them. Yeah, buddy. You'll pick up on something, you know. And it doesn't have to be just a mechanical trades podcast because, you know, a lot of the people I came across in, in the trades – they they don't have to be just these technical mechanical people. That's one piece of the puzzle to me. Um, I, I kind of have like five things I look at to say, hey, th this technician is really stellar. Oh, let's hear it. Okay, so you know the first one being you have to have that mechanical and technical aptitude. You have to be driven in that regard. You have to have a good good be able to wrap your head around that pretty good. Uh, the next next one would be you have to be a good effective communicator, and along with that, you have to be able to listen. All right, so why, why is listening important? Well, I mean, <laughs> that, that can go on forever, right? But in, in, in my experience, listening, listening is, you know, listening to the customer. You learn a lot about what's going on. You'll save yourself a lot of time if you just talk to the customer, let them tell you what's happening, let them give you the symptoms. You might be able to save yourself a whole lot of time and then go right to the problem, potentially. Okay, potentially. number three. Um, you have to be resourceful. I mean, it's not like it's not like we have all the answers. Service calls get thrown at you, and you have to have an open mind. Be resourceful. Don't just think, "Oh yeah, I don't have this on my truck. I can't do it." There's supply houses. There's the Home Depot, the Lowe's, where we can get you know trivial parts. 
there's ways to get your job done with, you know, being with that mindfulness and that resourcefulness. All right. Uh, I, I think that that really speaks a lot to maybe that middle group of, uh, you know, technicians and plumbers and electricians in that five to 10 years, like the more tenured find, guys. Yeah. If you find yourself like repeating the same thing, start beginning that outside of the box thinking, like really start thinking, how can you gain efficiencies and how can you do something different? That's kind of that next level, right? Definitely. Definitely. All right. So number four, number four, remain calm. Don't get worked up. I mean, I was always one of these technicians who, if I'm going to a call, I, I actually was better being surprised at what the call was. I didn't get all worked up looking at the history, you know, kind of trying to drive and go online and on the system and look what the history was, look at the, four, the past four techs that were there, what did they do. I really didn't and still don't care what happened. I want to take my own fresh perspective and step back from everything and get my own facts first. Once that's exhausted, I'll go back to the history and say, oh, this is done, this is done, this is done. It may help, it may not help. Hmm. Yeah, that, that being calm is probably my favorite one of those points, um, just being the difference in a new, newer technician who, you know, isn't an apprentice, but he's on his own, but he's fairly green and is spending half the time on the job. He's supposed to be diagnosing panicking. Uh, and calling everybody and shooting out 40 or 50 text messages. And he's got to have somebody on FaceTime um, because he, he doesn't know what he's looking at. So instead of learning, he's panicking um, and kind of throwing the responsibility of himself learning on the shoulders of everyone else. And that's easy to do here because we have multiple layers of help available uh, via phone, FaceTime, text message, and then obviously somebody coming out to help if you need it. But I was um, <clears throat> talking to some uh, Mr. Sparky apprentices this morning. Uh, one of them's getting ready to go into his own truck and, and, you know, put his feet to the fire. And I was telling him that there is going to be some, some instances where he gets out to technical jobs that he's not really ready for. And the last thing I want him to do is you know use one of his lifelines immediately without really beating his head against it and and you know getting frustrated because I use the analogy of um, of the astronauts you know when they spend all that time in zero gravity uh, they might be out there for a year and they come back and they've they've had so little resistance to their bodies that not only is their muscle tissue gone but their actual bone density has decreased they become smaller and weaker as a, as a lack of no resistance to their bodies. And we're not, we're not made for that. We're made for constant resistance. So if, if uh, I get down on the weight bench and I lift weight that I can easily lift a hundred times and I only lift it five times and there's no real resistance to my muscles, there's going to be no deterioration of the muscle tissue. There's going to be no exhaustion, no fatigue, um, and therefore, I won't get stronger. I won't grow. N nothing, nothing is gained there. You have to put resistance on there. You have to lift a little bit heavier weight than you were able to lift last time, um, or the same weight but do more reps than you did last time, and and really get something pushing against you to grow. That's how we grow. You're saying challenge yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the uh, it's remain calm and figure it out. And until you've exhausted every aspect 
um, of that you have every tool at your in your toolbox to figure it out yourself, then you have to call somebody. But the the panicky guys who don't remain calm, they immediately reach for their phone. They have there's just no sense of ownership there. And if you can just take that deep breath and just calm yourself down and say, whatever it is, I've got this, you're going to grow so much faster as a result of, of pushing back against that resistance. Yeah, from that standpoint, uh, YouTube, the internet, instant access to that type of stuff has actually, it, it's wonderful and it has a, a beauty to it, but it's, it's done a, a severe harm to our own abilities to troubleshoot and to be able to self-identify and think through a problem because we're so quick to just immediately look for the answer somewhere else that we don't even take the time to say, okay, hang on, let me process through this myself, and then I'll check to make sure I'm right. Right. That's another tool for your tool belt. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay, Ted, uh, give us a review of one to four, and then and then give us number five. So number four, or number one was uh, you have to have that mechanical, technical aptitude to some degree. Okay. All right. Um, uh, two is effectively communicate, including listening. Right. Uh, three, uh, resourcefulness. Four is remain calm. And remain calm is hard to do, especially when you're, you know, one, two, three years in. That that kind of comes more with that five, six, seven years. And yeah. you, you get more comfortable with what your abilities are. Absolutely. All right. And, and then, number five. Number five might be, next to number two of uh, communication, number five might be my favorite. And it helped me out the most is, is being organized and prepared. All right. The Boy Scout motto. Yeah, yeah. I, I knew that if I didn't have, you know, my service van cleaned and stocked and, and just ready to go, if I was missing any tools or something wasn't quite right, that affected my day. I wasn't, not that I was subpar, but it just bugged me. Well, it certainly affects your ability to carry out number four, be calm, right? <laughs> it, it could, it could, but it, but self-control will dictate what you do with that one, I suppose. But yeah. And, you know, we see a lot of guys that are really high performers at the company in all three brands that, that, in my opinion, I mean, trucks are a mess. I would say if you take a little more initiative, get your truck in order every day, it will set the tone for a better day. And we're looking for edges here. Nothing that we can do. I don't think any of these podcasts are going to say, hey, this, this answer is going to be life-changing. Right, yeah. It's, it's these subtle edges that we can get, that we can build upon, and that we can digest to say, yeah, wait this does make sense. I'm going to try this. I can own this. That's a really good list, Ted. Thanks so much for bringing that to us. And I think that can apply to anybody listening, really, whether you're just joining the trades, considering joining the trades, you've been in it for a while, or even veterans. I mean, there's always that next level that you can be looking for. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Ted. So we've kind of taken a look at uh, the, the newer greenhorns, you know, those who are just getting into things. We've taken a look at those who've kind of reach that first peak and feel like they have a good handle on things. Now I want to kind of speak to the lifers, you know, the guys who've been doing this for, they don't measure it by years anymore. They measure it by decades. Mm -hmm. Are these guys, have they reached the top of their game? Is there anywhere else to go? Should they be looking, you know, or should they be looking about protecting their body for the long term? Like, you know, I can't be lugging water heaters all my life. Like what, what is that 20, 30 year guy in the trades? What's he supposed to do now? So to answer that, you know, I, I would say you want to work smarter, not harder. It, it, it's always best if you can do less work for more money. And when I say more money, I'm saying more money for, for you and for the company. 
you know, and that's got to be a win for the company, for yourself, and for our customers, of course. But we don't have. Let's say you're 30 years in. You don't have to be setting the world on fire doing four calls a day. If you can, great. But we understand that it does take a toll on your body. So if you could work smarter and maybe capitalize two calls in a day's time, you're going to be ahead of the game because you're going to be essentially going to be working less physically. Maybe mentally, you're going to have to amp it up a little bit. But you still have a good good day then. Yeah. What about, I mean, earlier you had said about, you know, mentees need to find mentors. What if, what if I feel like I have the knowledge and I see guys around me who could use it? Am I okay to step into that world and say, hey, you know, I, I think you could use some help. I'm willing to help you. Is, is that all right? Totally all right. Yeah. I mean, I just have seen better success when guys seek out mentors. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that but, that creates the openness and willingness. But what I'm trying to get at is sometimes, you know, guys feel a little bit lost or intimidated, like, oh, I don't want to ask that guy for help, you know, or maybe even prideful for that matter. So what I'm suggesting is like, hey, you got 20, 30 years in the, in the business. Start looking at the people who are just coming in and come alongside them. Start that friendship and, you know, naturally see if they're open to that. That's what I think I'm getting at. Yeah. I mean, I love it. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that totally. Yeah. There are very I mean, few, very few technicians I've ever met, met in the field um, in any of the trades that would be angered by a young up-and-coming tech coming to ask them to be their technical mentor. Yeah, especially here. I think all the guys we have here want to see everyone else succeed along with them. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we do hire on that kind of uh, mindset. Right. And thanks so much, Ted. The, the last question I wanted to bring up here is what if, what if I'm listening to this podcast and I have yet to begin my journey into the trades? Like I'm not currently employed. I'm thinking about school, uh, you know, maybe a trade school. or I'm thinking about uh, like a night, you know, one of those night schools uh, that begins like the apprenticeship stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I also have an offer maybe from a, a trade company to just start and to just like do on the job learning. What should I focus on? Should I go to school? Should I just jump into the job field and learn on the go? Do I do a dedicated program? Where do I, where do I go? There's probably no wrong answer there. But with the climate we're in right now, there are so many companies that would, would take on a new employee that has potential. So if you're serious about what you want to do and you can portray that in an interview, that's a great start. You know, give it a shot because you can, you can go the whole school route. School route. You know, and people definitely get a lot of value out of that and learn a lot of that. But I just think right now with the workforce being a little bit lighter than we want it to be and demand being higher, companies like this will, you know, if you if you have the right mindset, you're the right person, go for it. You know, apply these companies. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can second that. Um, but kind of throwing that back to you, Ted, like, is there something that I can work on right now that's not like trade related? Should I be focusing on communication or or soft skills or mechanical aptitude? I mean, is there anything that I can start doing right now? Yeah, I mean, I guess it, let's speak about communication because in life, if, if you can communicate better with anyone out there in life, I just think life experiences are better, generally speaking. So, you know, if you want to you know, in in your social gatherings or go out of your comfort zone, talk to more people out there. And we said in the past and many times in meetings, hey, just, just at the line in the grocery store, just strike up a conversation with people. You know, go out of your comfort zone. That that will really, it, and it's hard. 
it's hard and it takes time. But if you push yourself out of that comfort zone, I think you'll be surprised by the results. Yeah, and, and as Brian Tracy always says, the time is going to pass anyway. So if you're standing in the grocery store line anyway, what you're going to do, uh, put the phone in the pocket and strike up a conversation with the uh, the uh, lady in front of you or the, uh, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily bother a woman who's juggling three toddlers <laughs> right yeah. um but maybe you know strike strike up a conversation with the toddler and take take a little bit of the stress off of her um but talking to the um the uh guy at checkout and actually having a conversation with him while he's just doing his job anyway is a great way for you to become better at communicating um make this time pass a little faster and probably brighten up his day as well but that is practice that everybody should be getting all the time, wherever you're at. Yeah, to your credit, Brian, you put the phone away. Like, you don't need to be on your phone all the time. You know, li- life passes you by real quick, especially behind a phone. Yeah, and I'm uh, no credit here ex- accepted because I'm notoriously on my phone too much. And <laughs> that's what uh, Nate's giving me the dirty look right now. <laughs> I'm sure we're all guilty of it, but you can, you can be mo- so much more productive outside of the phone. Absolutely. And then behind the phone. For sure, especially, you know, when you're with people. That's the, the worst time to be on it, and it seems the time that I'm most on it. Hey, really good stuff today, Ted. I appreciate all of your technical expertise. There's no questioning. You have experience, and you've lived it out. You're one of the most accountable people that I know in the trades uh, as, as far as holding yourself to a high standard and then expecting that of others. So thanks so much for being on today. I'm glad to be here. It's been a pleasure. Appreciate you, Ted. It's been fun. Yeah, we can't let you go without doing some rapid-fire questions for you at the end here. So uh, if you're ready for that, we'll get started. I was born ready. All right. All right. (laughs) I know you are a fisher. Uh, That's right. You do some fishing down there. Fisherman, yeah. Yeah, yeah, fisherman. Sure. Uh, Tell us about the biggest fish you ever caught. Yeah, what was the biggest fish you ever lied about, Ted? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the funny part is I learned about that. You better take pictures. You got to have to back it up, and I can do that. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. And you hold the fish out as far as you can in front of you and then step back. And whose fish was it? (laughs) We can go to, like, you know, Florida Sportsman Magazine, I can show you. But (laughs) (laughs) I think think it's funny because I like doing more deep-sea fishing. And and those those um, trips are more like it's a it's a group effort. There's not just one guy you know catching a Goliath fish. It, it, it's the mates, it's the captains, it, it's it's the, the anglers. Um, been a part of a lot of lot of good uh, sailfish. They're probably one of my favorite fish to catch. Oh wow! Yeah. Size it's hard to say because in, in the bigger game fish, it's good not to touch the fish. You don't want to you don't want to get your your oil and stuff from your hands on the fish and then take off their oils and whatnot so i don't have any good measurements so you're you're catch and release uh on on yeah on sailfish yes but we've caught swordfish that where you don't release them yeah that's you have a great dinner the next night that's for sure Nice. nice so we're looking at five feet six feet i don't know Oh, no, bigger than that. Uh, oh, okay. The sailfish right. are smaller, swordfish are bigger, okay. typically speaking. But I've, I've got a couple of sharks that were around 400 pounds. Nice. And wow. They, 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 uh, we catch them and release them in a different fashion than we caught them. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. All right, Ted, you have, uh, what, 20 years in the trades. Tell us about one of the worst HVAC, plumbing, or electrical situations you've ever seen. <laughs> so... 
I always have a hard time like picking favorites or the worst, but the worst experience I come across in this is, is water damage. I just really go out to people. And I really feel bad when they their basement's flooded or their ceiling drops from their attic. Um, there's been far too many times where I've had to deal with people that have their ceiling on their master bed in their bedroom. Yeah. And I, I, I just feel so horrible when that happens. And I'm not saying it, it was anyone's fault, but lack of maintenance for the most part. Yeah. So, yeah. Th- that That's, to me, water damage is just the worst thing out there. Uh, shout out to all the plumbers. Thanks for what oh, you yeah, do. Oh, yeah, right but, on. Like, let's, let's talk about water. <laughs> <laughs> we, we do not want to ask this question of any plumbers, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Although... Is and I worked for a drain only company for a couple of years. Um, my my uh, uncle's company, Drain Right, <laughs> uh, and of all the horror, I mean, we've had to put chest waders on before um, to walk in to clear a sewer line in a basement in Detroit. And of all the jobs I've ever been on, by far the worst were when you had to go to restaurants with clogged grease traps, and and it's far less sanitary to be in a, you know, a basement with raw sewage coming up to your knees. But the rest of Wendy's or a McDonald's or a Denny's grease trap is the f- most foul thing you can ever experience with your nose. Good luck with all that, my man. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm done. <laughs> I'll pass. I'm that's field, why buddy. Ted chose HVAC. <laughs> yeah, that played into it, of course. <laughs> all right, Ted, uh, I'm really curious here. In your personal vehicle, tell us one thing in the trunk right now. Just one? <laughs> Give us something interesting. Well, I got a 98 Chevy Suburban, Nate, so my, my trunk capacity is pretty large back there, but there's a few things, but I guess the best thing is I have a 100-piece Crestman socket set just floating around back there. Okay. Just rolling around in the back of your car. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. All right. Uh, if you moved to Sesame Street, who would you be looking forward to have as a neighbor? <laughs> Wow. (laughs) I'm going to take uh, the cookie monster. I mean, there would always be snacks around, right? Uh, Well, maybe not. (laughs) You better keep your hands off those cookies. (laughs) It doesn't take well to sharing. (laughs) All right, Ted, last one for you. Would you rather have a rewind button or a pause button for your life? I would definitely take a pause button. I don't look back in time. I reflect, but I don't want to change anything that happened in the past. I enjoy the moment. How about how about you, Nate? Did you think this one through? Oh, there's definitely moments in my life that I would gladly rewind and redo. Um, but growing up in it's not growing up, but I mean with with children who are in the growing stage right now, there's definitely times where I wish I could just pause life and like enjoy that moment more. Oh, I was thinking I was thinking a fast forward button for my <laughs> kids. <laughs> um, I I would like to think rewind. But I, I, uh, I don't know what I would mess up uh, about where I'm at now and, and, you know, every aspect of my life if I was able to go back and change something. I don't know what, you know, you've got, you guys have seen Back to the Future. Irreparable damage can be done with that rewind button. Um, pause would probably be the, the way to go to just soak up some of these moments a little bit more. Yeah, and speaking of soaking up those moments, we are out of them right now. So that wraps up our podcast for the day. Thanks so much for being with us, Ted. We really appreciate that. As for, as for the rest of you listening out there, uh, we, we want to encourage you with this podcast to technically get on your game. And Ted gave you a lot of content today to be able to do that, whether you're starting out in the trades, whether you're kind of um, 
in that middle ground, whether you're towards the end of your career, whatever it may be, there's always an opportunity for you to progress or to look for that next thing that you're going to work towards. And that's really what this podcast is driving at, constantly looking at ways to improve yourself, to challenge yourself, and to make the most of every situation. As for you, if you love that concept and you want more of it, come check us out. We're hiring all the time and we're looking for people, technically speaking, we're looking for people, communication speaking, uh, we're looking for all kinds to join the trades and serve with us in the home industry. Uh, if you are interested in that, give us a call, find us on wastenoday.com, drop us a line, whatever it may be, and we'll talk to you. For those of you out there, continue to find a way to make the most, never settle, and always wake up each morning ready to waste no day. This podcast is the production of the South Central Pennsylvania branch of One Hour Heating and Air Conditioning, Benjamin Franklin Plumbing, and Mr. Sparky Electric.